stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was, was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent in those days, told no one told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just as a, as a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is my only son, my only child. Suddenly a spirit seized him, and all at once, um, and all at once he shrieks. It convulsed him until he foamed at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I beg your disciples to I beg your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you this and every day from the triune God. Amen. Is prayer really that important? Jesus had just finished a heavy conversation with disciples in the passage immediately before. He had this conversation of what it means to be the Messiah. And then he takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain. And Jesus prays. I mean, it does seem like a really good time to pray after having a very difficult conversation from which more answers or more questions will arise and 
And from answers, they will be more questions, and people, it may not click with them. As we study the life of Jesus, there are situation upon situation where we read Jesus is in prayer. Jesus prays at the beginning of events or gatherings. He prays as he fasts. He prays in the garden before he is arrested. He prays on the cross. And in the Gospel of Luke, he teaches people how to pray. Jesus makes prayer central to who he is. However, it seems like we take prayer for granted and look for something bigger, something better, something more exciting out of our prayer. We have a passage today, and there will be some on this day that are going to spend the time trying to explain what happened. We get dazzled with the changing face and the white clothes. We get taken into another story about our connection with the past. We get easily distracted. Now that is not to say that those in this story, those other things are not important because they are. In fact, it is important in understanding who Jesus is that while he is fully human, Jesus is also something much more, something bigger, and something that has been spoken about, he has been spoken about for generations. Um, Jesus shows us over and over the importance of prayer. And I don't think any of us would say that it's not important and not vital to our relationship with God. In the Muslim tradition, prayer is done five times a day. They set aside specific times. There's a prayer uh, at sunrise, a prayer at noon, a prayer in about mid-afternoon, a prayer at sunset, and a prayer um, in the evening at night, basically when you go to sleep bedtime prayer. When I spent a summer working as a chaplain, there were a few times I would head on into the chapel to grab something, the hospital, and there was a doctor or there was a nurse that would be in there in the midst of prayer. And I would quietly leave, allowing them their quiet space. And I always wished I would be more observant of my life of prayer. I wish I could block out times to step away throughout the day. But the truth is our, our days are busy, and setting aside time during the day to pray is difficult. But I think we need to pray more than we think we already do. But I think we pray more than we think we do. Prayers don't always have to start with dear Jesus or something fancy. And our prayers don't always have to end with amen. But we have prayers, they are there. Sometimes it comes in the simple eye roll. As 
as you wonder how you are going to manage not strangling that person in front of you, not actually strangle them, mind you, but you've been in those situations. It comes in watching the news, and as you see what's happening in Ukraine, you take a deep sigh, which is all God needs to know what is in your heart, as it is, that is also a form of prayer. It happens in meetings, in conversations that you have with people. It happens and you don't even realize it. I tell people that even in the moments where you drop to your knees, maybe not physically, but in your heart, and you say, oh God, that's all that God needs. You may get on yourself that you should be praying more, that your prayers need to look like fancy prayers, like the people around you. But we also need to be gentler with ourselves, because in the end, we do our best to pray. And why? Because we see what prayer does. My summer of chaplaincy was spent in St. Joseph, Missouri. And I was assigned to two separate departments, oncology and what they call the surgical step-down unit, as well as, my, as the general duties of kind of covering throughout the hospital where I was needed at specific times or in my nightly, my uh, difficult overnights. The truth is, it didn't matter if I was in a conversation in the ICU or labor and delivery, mental health, any place. Prayer was important to the people I met with. Some actually would ask me to sit with them and just be silent. That no prayer was needed, but they knew prayer was needed. Actually, a side note, um, one of the stories that uh, my group still recalls and laughs about to this day was my friend um, Angie was, um, her specialty that summer, one of her specialties was mental health. And so she was up uh, meeting with somebody, with a woman in the mental health department. And uh, this woman and Angie had this really good conversation and then as they're wrapping it up, Angie says, would you like me to pray for you? And the woman takes a deep sigh and says, yeah. So Angie folds her hands and bows her head, and the woman says, but not now, and in some other place in the hospital. And of course, that's the way prayer sometimes is. I've heard people say that prayer is a powerful thing, and there have been times that I want to argue with that. Powerful? As I sat with a young lady whose husband had been brought in with no, prep, with no pulse, no breathing, a young man, uh, late 20s. I heard her prayer and her wailing. I knew the truth. Well, medical, I wasn't medical, but the whole staff knew the truth as they continued to work on him and work on him. And I ached for how her desired outcome 
was not going to be the real outcome. And prayer didn't feel so powerful in that moment. Or at the one time I was called to meet with a family, the patriarch of the family, I can still uh, envision this, actually all of these I envision. The patriarch, patriarch the, the rock of the family. And you could see um, how his family came together under his guidance. He was just given the news that his cancer had spread and he would be leaving the hospital soon but would be under the direction of hospice care. How does one pray in moments when no words can express the feeling? How does one, how does one pray when everything I seem to say sounded petty? How does one pray when all you can see is darkness? So prayer is powerful. Or sometimes I have I have a hard time with that. But here's the thing. People would ask me to pray, to speak to their heartbreak and their pain, to share their desires for tomorrow, if not for themselves, for their loved ones. Even when people accepted the truth of what the next days and weeks would bring, that death was a certainty, they still found hope in prayer. And it amazed me. For one woman in oncology, this meant after a long discussion of what her life was and how it would be ending soon, when I asked, asked her, what do you want to pray for? She said, I don't know, and out of my mouth came a prayer for her adult children and the decisions they make. And when I was done, she said, how did you know that's what I needed prayer for? And I said, you told me already in your sighs. I've seen the relief that comes over a person when a prayer is said, even if there's still uncertainty. I have sat with unresponsive people that I could actually see a change in their breathing during and after a prayer. What I found in my time as a chaplain is that prayer lightens our hearts. I had a friend, I have a friend, who spoke to me about year, the years that her husband was an active alcoholic and she told me that when she would go to bed at night, she would pray, God, please take the night shift. Something simple like that would allow her to sleep and not toss and turn. It lightened her heart. This was the same woman that uh, when I spoke to her about the people that would drive me crazy or the people that were just not nice to me. The woman had the audacity to tell me to pray for them. And in my sarcastic response, I would say that they get hit by a bus. She would say, no. Pray for their hearts. Pray for that within in them that causes them to lash out at others 
to pray for the hurt that is within them. And though I hate to admit it, she was absolutely right. And I do that to this day. And it helps. Now that doesn't mean that the people suddenly became something else. That the mean people to me were suddenly nice. That didn't change. Prayer lightened my heart. And my interactions with them changed. Prayer brings us to a place of forgiveness. To pray for ourselves, to pray for those who hurt us, to pray for those we hurt, and to pray for the world. Prayer shines a light. I didn't even plan that. Prayer shines a light in the darkness of our world, and prayer brings out a better person in all of us. Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, and they went up on a mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Prayer has a way of changing us. I'm not going to suggest that when we pray, our faces and clothes change like they did for Jesus. I'm not about to suggest that, that our mountaintop moments are filled with visions of our ancestors and voices from heaven. But people will see the change in us. They will see it in your face. They will see it in your hearts. Jesus prays and those around him notice a change, a powerful change. Prayer has a way of doing that. Prayer opens us up to the possibility of all that God has to offer. The possibility of comfort and peace. The possibility of welcome and acceptance. The possibility of compassion and forgiveness. Because the power of prayer comes in knowing that you have been heard. God hears your cries, and in return, you are changed. God hears your prayers, spoken and unspoken, spoken, and those that come in just as a breath or a sigh. Prayer is powerful, and it is life-changing. And all were astonished at the greatness of God. Amen. Thank you.